Hi guys, welcome to our three-part anniversary special. Up first, bringing in their expertise on team culture all the way from Kuala Lumpur is Kaysan Lim, Head of Production at Collective KL. Okay, so this is what we're going to do today. Uh, we're going to have a conversation. Okay, it's a very small group, so I'm not going to be preaching much, you know, just going to have a conversation. And um, so I'm here uh, with my pastor, Pastor Kevin. He'll be here later and two other, two other uh, members from my team. So just a bit of an introduction um, for myself. Um, I work with the church collective, and I am one of the business managers there. And I also hit the team, team creative. So team creative consists of the worship team, the music team, also the production team as what Pasanina mentioned just now. So the production team is made up of uh, the sound, the lighting, the visuals on screen, and uh, they chose me to hit it, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I'm not a technical guy, but I'm a musician. So I, I work a lot with them in the visuals. I mean, come on, musicians, we can't live without the sound, guys. <laughs> if you make them angry, <laughs> you ain't going to have no voice. I mean, no, no sound coming out. So Vipin, thanks for doing the sound. Vipin does everything. Yeah. So I asked him, what does he not do? And, and he said, uh, team experience. <laughs> okay. I don't know, maybe next time. So I, I hit team creative. And I've been part of a worship team since I was 15 years old. And uh, anyone who's 15 here? No? Hannah's 15? Five. Yeah, five. Okay, I thought seven, but... <laughs> so, and 15 is like almost half my lifetime ago. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal my age. You can guess. So, I've been growing up loving music and being part of a worship team serving God, and I play the guitar. I play both electric and acoustic guitar, and I worship lead as well. Uh, but the first time I was on the worship team, I was playing bongos <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> the percussions, and so I've come a long way. And just to get to know a bit of the crowd here, you guys are all right, right? Okay, you know, help this Chinese guy out from Malaysia, okay? <laughs> so how many of you here are... You're Okay, I, I, I know it may be all hands, but just to make sure, I don't want to assume. How many of you here are part of the worship team, the, the music team, the band? Okay, not everybody. All right. So, so for those of you who did not raise your hand, um, what, what ministry do you serve in? Like my sister there. Um, what ministry do you serve in? Oh, in the worship team as well. So everyone here is in the worship team. Okay, I, I'm just going to go with that. Okay, so... How many worship leaders? Worship leaders. Song leaders, worship leaders. Yeah. Okay, don't be shy, come on. So, this is what we're going to do today, okay? So, we're going to respond to each other. So, when I ask you something, you're going to have a chat, you know. So, if, you know, raise your hands, just raise it up high, all right? So, worship leaders in this house. Okay. Uh, drummers. Okay. It's about four of you. Keyboard players. One, two, three, four. Okay. Uh, okay, my favorite one, because I'm one of them. Guitarists. Guitar players. Only Neville. <laughs> okay. And what's your name? Yeah. Ruth, you play the guitar? You're? Beginner, okay. I, I heard big nerd. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't look like a nerd. I'm like... Okay, wrong, wrong workshop. <laughs> so, okay, beginners, fine. All right, guitar players. Okay, did I, did I miss anyone out? Bass, oh, I'm so sorry, Bench. 
Okay, bass players. Bass players. Only Benji. Okay, Benji and Kim. No? Yeah, your name's not Kim? Alright. What's your name? Kate. And I met you just now. I thought your name was Kim. No. Andrew, sorry. I met three Kims and I met one Andrew. And I just had to pick on the Andrew. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So, Annyeonghaseyo. Uh, all those from Korea. Yeah. Uh, I only know Annyeonghaseyo and Kimchi. <laughs> so, other than that, I can't really speak much Korean, although I love Korean barbecue. That's another one of my favorite foods. Yeah. So, banana leaf rice, Korean barbecue. I'm in the right, I'm with the right group. What's Korean barbecue called in Korean? Sorry. Some? Some gyok side. Uh, okay, I'll just go with Korean barbecue. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so it's a good mix of people here today. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, today it's about worship culture. So we're going to talk a bit about worship, and we're going to talk a bit about culture. And uh, perhaps we'll go to a bit of practical things as well. And um, I will have some time for questions and answer. And it's going to be very, um, I would say, not too structured. So let's go with the flow. And uh, there'll be a time where we have a toilet break, don't worry. I won't be going on for two or three hours. So, but uh, I hope that we can really learn from each other. I, I don't have a professional background. Um, I know some of you uh, music students, like Brian, right? Where are you, Brian? Yeah, so Brian, you, you study music, right? Yep. Anyone else here study music or you're a professional musician? Mr. Spark? You, you, yeah, so... <laughs> So I, 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 I'm not a professional and I never studied music. So what, I, what, what I'm going to talk about today, what I'm going to share today is more out of my own experience. And uh, so it's not so much of theory or things like that. Okay? So it's going to be out of experience. And uh, if you want to learn theory, you know, maybe you should go to those guys <laughs> who raise their hands. Okay? All right. So shall we just pray before we start? Lord, we just want to give you thanks for this day. Thank you for unity in your body, Lord. Thank you for the coming together of different people different people groups, different cultures, different churches. We can come together united because we serve one God. We serve and worship one God. And we pray that as we continue on, Lord, I pray that your presence will be with us as we speak, as we share, as we laugh, as we joke, and as we learn and lift up one another. Let us lift up your name as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so what is worship? What is worship? We use the term a lot. Hey, let's come to worship God. But, but what is worship? And I'm going to try to unpack that a bit. But this is really not the, the, the total definition of worship because I don't think we can define worship and just package it into one pocket and one corner. And there's just so much to talk about worship. But for our purposes today, this is the definition that we are going to go with. Um, so worship is our response. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who He is and what He has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Am I blocking you guys? All right, we're good. Okay, and if I'm speaking a bit too fast, you can tell me as well, all right? Now I'll just slow down. So I'm going to read that again. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who He is and what He has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. This is by Louis Giglio. So you guys know Louis Giglio, right? Founder of the Passion Movement, uh, pastor of Passion City Church. And 
that's where we should start from as a basis. Worship is a response. So when we come to God, when we come to church, we don't come initiating something. We come in response towards something. So whenever we lift up our hands, whenever we sing, um, I know worship is not just confined to music. It's the way we live as well. The things we say, the way we live. It is not us who initiated that. It is our response to God for who He is and what He has done. And that response must always start with a thankful heart, with thanksgiving, with gratefulness. And if I could just bring you to Romans 12 verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So even the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans, in view of God's mercy, then offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. So it must start with our view of God's mercy, first of all. All right, did we get it all clear? So we come here. We are not here to start something with God. We're not here to start that conversation. God has already started that conversation with us. And we're here in response. And that is worship. And what takes place when we come to worship God? As a worship team, what takes place when we come to worship God? I would like to think that there are three things that we want to do when we come to worship God or when we lead people in worship. First of all is elevation. Okay? We come here to elevate or to lift up the name of Jesus and no other name. So we're not lifting up the name of Zealous. We're not lifting up the name of another church. We're not lifting up the name of ourselves, but we're here to lift up the name of Jesus. So the first thing that must be done is an elevation of the name of Jesus over everything else. Secondly is an encounter. We are here to encounter God personally. We're here to encounter God in a personal way. And I read this somewhere before. It says that we can never fully understand God. I mean, we can understand certain attributes and characteristics of God when we try to study His Word based on our own experiences in life. But God is not really a God to be fully understood, but God is a God to be fully experienced. And that's what we want when we come to encounter God. So first of all, elevation. Secondly, encounter. When we come to worship God, we want to come to have an encounter with God. Thirdly, is effect. We want to leave God's presence changed. There's no point coming to worship God. There's no point coming to church if we always leave the same. And I don't think that's what God wants us about. Every time when we come into God's presence, even in the Bible, anyone who comes into contact with God, when they come into the presence of Jesus, when they come into the presence of God, they will leave differently. And that's what we want when we come to worship God, when we lead people to worship God. We want an effect. Or else it'll be just like a karaoke session. You guys do karaoke here? Karaoke, or how do you pronounce it? No? You guys don't like karaoke? Not much. It's more of a Japanese thing, right? And a Chinese thing. Koreans, do you guys... You know, like, yeah, you're, yeah you're, like, you're, like, you're smiling. and Yeah, karaoke, karaoke. If, if, if we don't do all this, it's just going to be Christian karaoke. Just going to come here, singing our favorite songs with the lyrics on the screen. Uh, maybe the lyrics need to like, change color, you know? Like karaoke. And, and it's going to be Christian karaoke. But when we come here to elevate the name of Jesus, when we come here to have an encounter with the true and living God, and when we leave this place having an effect, change, that's pretty much what we want to achieve every time we come to worship God. All right? All right? All right? So we start with that. But today, I'm going to talk about a concept, I would say, called lift. And being part of the worship team, I'm not too sure about this place. But back at home, uh, the pastor, Pastor Kevin, will always say, Hey guys, come on. We need to lift up the atmosphere. Do you guys use that term? Like, hey, the atmosphere is like really dead, you know. We need to lift it up right now. Like, No? 
It's a, it's a Malaysian thing. Okay, maybe. So we, 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 we come here and, and there's an atmosphere of worship. Okay? And we say, hey, let's lift up the atmosphere. And um, there's also, a, a, even in normal daily life, there are some people that when they walk into a room, when they walk into a room, the whole atmosphere changes. Okay? These are people who lift the atmosphere of a room. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? And there are other people who do the, the opposite. <laughs> when they come, everything is... You know, you can be having a conversation, you'll be having so much fun, you'll be laughing, and ah, then when someone walks into the room, everything is quiet. Okay, first reason is because you're probably talking about that person. <laughs> but assuming, you know, everyone in Pune are really nice Christians, you know, so that's, 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 not, that's not what's happening. But there are some people who are just, you know, what we call party poopers. Yeah? <laughs> You're just laughing there. What's your name? Janine. Where are you from, Janine? The US. All right. Yeah, so there are party poopers. They come and the whole atmosphere just changes. All right, you, you, you know one of those people? Yeah? Okay. I, I, <laughs> Is that person sitting beside you? Okay, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Please. And I hope you are not one of those people, okay? But there's an atmosphere that changes. There's an atmosphere that is dynamic. And when we come to worship God, we always want to lift up the atmosphere. Okay, because people come from all walks of life. People come from a tough week. People come brokenhearted. People come from all kinds of trouble, all kinds of burden. And when they come in here, we want them to be lifted up. It is not just to feel good. It's not just emotional, but it is part of it. But we want them to be lifted up when they come into the presence of Jesus. Amen? So what does it mean to really lift the atmosphere? But what... Before I answer that, what is an atmosphere anyway? And I know I'm in India right now. There are a lot of engineers here. I spoke to Benji just now. And the whole church works for one company, right? <laughs> no? Not true? Okay. Half of the band works for the same company. Okay. Okay, you guys are engineers here, but I'm not going to ask a, a science question. Not really engineering, but... Okay, but so an, an atmosphere is a surrounding or pervading mood. A surrounding or pervading mood. That was the atmosphere that I was talking about just now. But in, in the natural sciences, there, we, 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 there, there is an atmosphere that is surrounding the earth, right? And it's basically a layer of gases surrounding a planet or other material body held in place by the gravity of that body. Okay, you know what? I am not a science grad, so I'm just going to skip that over. But if you've, if you've learned enough in school, if you've learned enough in school, the atmosphere of the earth is mostly composed of which gas? Nitrogen? All right. Anyone thought it's oxygen? No? So nitrogen is the gas that is, uh, uh, that's most, mostly found in the atmosphere. Now, if you can answer this correctly, uh, Pastor Nina will buy you a coffee. I think coffee is not really your thing, right? Yeah, buy you a, uh, I don't know, a masala chai or something. <laughs> or he'll buy you a banana leaf rice. Or <laughs> what percentage? What percentage makes up, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. The gas, the nitrogen gas, makes up what percentage of the atmosphere? All right, no, no Googling here, okay? No Googling, let's all be honest. Okay, you were saying? 70, all right. Do I have any other number? 76, who said 76? What's your name? Alice, okay, any more? Any more? Any more answers? 64? Okay, all right. 64 once, 64 twice, 64 three times. All right. Yeah, you guys are discussing behind there. Chris. I oh, remember your name. Yeah, Chris. So what's the percentage? 
70. Okay, the answer is 78%. So Alice has got it closest, 76%. So uh, yeah, Pasadena, you owe her a meal. So it's made up of nitrogen, 78%, and oxygen, 21%, and argon, 0.9%. Okay, it's just 0.9%. Okay, let's not care about it. But what I'm trying to say is that all this makes up the atmosphere. Okay, all these particles make up the atmosphere. So to affect, to affect change in the natural atmosphere is to affect change in every molecule of these gases in the atmosphere. Okay? Okay. I'm not going to go into too detail of that. It's not a science talk. So to, to affect change in the situational atmosphere, that when we come to church, Okay, is to affect change in the individual atmospheres we all carry. Just as every molecule will affect the whole atmosphere, we ourselves, we are the molecules as well. So if we want to affect change in the atmosphere, then when we come to worship God, we have to affect change in our own personal atmosphere. Because we want the kind of atmosphere that when people come into the house of God, people are coming here experiencing what we talked about just now, the elevation of the name of Jesus, right? the encounter with God, and the effect that they want to leave with. So part of doing that is really to changing the atmosphere that we can do it, okay? And this is a spiritual thing as well. Because Jesus, I want to say that Jesus came to lift us up. Jesus came to lift us up from our status and our situation, from bondage to freedom, from sickness to health, and from death to life. So the thing that Jesus came to lift us up was from death to life. And in Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He came to lift us up from our issues, from our circumstances, okay, from our sickness, from our disease, from our bondages, from our brokenheartedness, and then from death to life. So today, I'm going to talk about four things that we need to lift when we come to worship God, especially as worship team members. We gotta live it first, right? It's not just something that we say on stage. It's not something that we command people from the stage, but it's our life that we live that hopefully will inspire someone else as well. What we do and what we live, how we live off stage is more important than what we do on stage. Amen? Amen. Hey you guys okay? Yeah. Alright. So first thing is the first thing to lift is we need to lift up our eyes. We need to lift up our eyes, and it's a matter of perspective. The psalmist says that I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So this is part of the collection of psalms known as the Song of Ascents, sung by pilgrims ascending up the city on a hill, Jerusalem. So my help comes from the Lord. And in Isaiah, it says, I lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all this? Is it up there? Am I blocking you guys? No, right? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So first of all, we've got to lift up our eyes, our focus. Uh, we've got to have a heavenly perspective and that's why we need to know the Word of God. You guys love reading the Word of God? Yeah? You guys do Bible studies here? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, you can talk to me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so we need to know the Word of God. We need to lift up our eyes and our perspective needs to be a heavenly one, okay? Number two. We need to lift up your head. And it's a matter of posture. It's a matter of posture. Again, we're going to go to the Psalms. The Psalmist says in Psalms 3 verses 1 to 4, it says, God, look, this is the message, paraphrase. God, look, enemies past counting. Enemies sprouting like mushrooms. Mobs of them all around me, roaring their mockery. Ha, no help for him from God. 
But you, God, shield me from all sides. You ground my feet. You lift my head high. With all my might, I shout up to God. His answers thunder from the holy mountain. So number two, after lifting up our eyes, changing our perspective to one that is heavenly, we need to lift up your head, which is a matter of posture. The posture that we come before God. How many of you here would say you have good posture? Okay, now, you know what? Every time we use the, uh, say the word posture, you will tend to sit up straighter, right? Yeah. Right? I have very, very bad posture. I mean, when I look at my pictures, like the one that Saurabh is taking right now, <laughs> I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to be very hunched. It's just, it's just bad posture from growing up, you know. My mom, who's not around anymore, God bless her soul, she's always telling me, have good posture, have good posture. And when you come to worship God, what is the posture that you carry before you today? Are you lifting up your head when you come to worship before God? The posture that you carry. And there's this thing called embodied cognition. Have you heard this term before? Embodied cognition. So, the, the concept is pretty simple. It is the relationship between our mind and body. Okay? And it runs both ways. Meaning that our mind influences our body. So, you think, okay, you know what? I'm going to stand straight, so you stand straight. Uh, I'm going to smile, so I smile. But it runs the other way as well. Because your body will also influence your mind. I'm sure you've heard people say, hey, if you want to be happy, you smile, right? It's not just that you smile when you're happy. Okay, everybody smile right now. Smile, come on, smile, come on. Come on, Brian, give me a good smile. Come on, Brian. Brian is trying, but he's not. So, <laughs> yeah. So when you want to be happy, you smile as well. That means you be Lord over your body. You rule over your body. The posture that you come before God when you worship God. You may be coming in from a bad day, but when you come as a band, as a worship team, you've got to rule your body and the posture that you stand. It doesn't mean that we come fake before God. Okay, God wants us to come real before Him, but He wants us to come with a posture that is open, with a posture that is humble, with a posture that is also confident in what God has done already for us and what God can do through us as well. Because when we come on stage, in a way, we are pastoring. We are pastoring the people into a time of worship. So when we come before God, we want to lift our heads high and come before God with a posture and say, God, I'm here. I can do all things by your strength. And therefore, I carry a posture that is confident. Not proud, not arrogant, but confident. Amen? Okay, everyone say posture. It's getting a bit too quiet in here. Everyone say posture. Okay, number three. And this is something that we all do. We come to lift our hands. Can everyone lift your hands up right now? We come to lift our hands in worship before God. And in Psalm 63, verse 4, it says, I will praise you, Lord, as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. The praise here, it means yada or yodo in Hebrew. It means to show reverence or praise with extended hands. To throw or to cast. To throw or to cast. We come worshiping God with our hands lifted up. And in Psalms 43, it once again says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. So lifting up our hands is a matter of position. There is a positional significance when we lift up our hands. When will we be lifting up our hands? Other than when we worship God. See, we lift up our hands when we win. Right? When... Uh, was it? To ask a question. Yeah, to ask a question. <laughs> Let's have a bit of that later. But when, say, okay, you know what? I know cricket is big in India. Okay, I, I, I guess it's not from the <laughs> response. How many of you guys love cricket? Yeah? Okay, maybe not the Koreans and Malaysian here. <laughs> but what's the biggest sport in Korea? 
Football, soccer, yeah, baseball, okay. But, but yeah, so when your team wins, you lift up your hands, like automatically, immediately. And when you, and I, I love boxing, so when you know you, you knock down somebody or you knock out somebody, you lift up your hands immediately. Lifting up our hands is a sign of winning, like a champion, like a conqueror. So when you win, you lift up your hands. But we also lift up our hands when we surrender, right? So it's both when you win and when you lose. So when the cops come to you or when a robber comes to you, what you do? Hey, lift up your hands straight away. So it's a sign of our surrender. So to me, it really signifies that our biggest win comes when we lift up our hands in total surrender to God. So the biggest win comes when we lift our hands in total surrender to God. And we are all a slave to something. We are all a slave to something. And in, when, when Paul, when he writes his letters, he says, me, Paul, I, Paul, a slave, bond servant of Christ. See, a servant is hired. A bond servant or slave is owned. Who or what owns you? Who or what owns you? Who have you really surrendered your life to right now? And Paul says that it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And if we, re- if we really want to be the ultimate champion in life, we've got to be the ultimate slave. Okay? The ultimate winning comes from ultimate surrendering unto God. Amen? Amen? So we lift up our hands, and this is a matter of position. And fourthly, we lift up your king. Or we lift Check, yeah. So when you magnify something, it is, becomes bigger in your mind. And that's what we do when we magnify God. But the other thing that a magnifying glass does is it focuses. It focuses. Have you guys done this before? You know, you go out, you bring a spider, and then you focus the sunlight onto your magnifying glass, and you burn the spider alive. Huh? Paper, maybe. You guys are really nice. I'm sorry, I'm a bit cruel. Yeah, so, I hate spiders, by the way. So, that's what a magnifying glass does as well. It focuses, it focuses the sunlight into something. So, when we come with a purpose to magnify, to lift up our king, it both magnifies God in our minds, and then it also focuses all our focus on God. Amen. And lastly, uh, this is not on the slides, but I would say, lift up your neighbours. Lift up your neighbours when we come. And the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So why I think this is important, other than all the first four that I've been saying, where we come to lift up our eyes, to change our perspective, or we come to lift up our hands, to, 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 to know our position before God, or when we come to lift up our heads, to change our posture before God. Coming to lift up our king, our purpose, when we come to worship together. I would like to say lift up your neighbors as well. Lift up your neighbors, because we want to not just be a team member who plays well, we don't want to be just a team member who sings well or who plays our instrument well. But we want to be the kind of team members that when we are part of a team, everyone else plays well as well. Get what I mean? That because I bring my A game, I bring my top game today, everyone plays together better because I'm there, part of the team. Amen? All right? Okay. So, before we want to lift the atmosphere of the congregation, we have to first lift ourselves up. Okay? by lifting up our eyes, changing our perspective, by lifting up our hands, changing our position, by lifting up, what else? Our head, changing our posture, and then lifting up our king, our purpose. And in the Bible, when David was really, really discouraged after having a defeat, the Bible in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, he said, David strengthened himself in the Lord. 
And it's something that we've got to learn to do for ourselves as well, to lift ourselves up from that situation. And we always want to wait for our pastor. We always want to wait for our friend, someone to come pray for us. And that's really, really good. But in a lot of times, when we are alone, God is there with us and we need to lift ourselves up. Amen? Amen. And let's be people who lift the atmosphere, not just on stage. But like I said, it's more important to lift the atmosphere off the stage. Amen? And we just, let's just want to just close our eyes and just focus on Jesus and lift up our eyes to Him right now. Change our perspective and say, God, we want to look beyond the hills, oh Lord. That's where our help comes from. God, we come here lifting up our heads, oh God, coming in with a posture of gratitude, a posture of a worshiper, oh Lord, a posture of someone who has been saved by grace through faith, oh Lord, that we come before you confident, oh God, entering your throne room of grace because of what you have done for us. And God, we come before you lifting up our hands in surrender, saying, God, we are your slave, your bond servant, but you are a master who does not place heavy burdens on us, oh God. You are the God whose burdens are easy and light, God. God, we come before you lifting up our hands, surrendering to you because total surrender is what leads to total success, oh Lord. Success not in the way the world defines it, Lord, but success is how you define it. And God, we come with one purpose, to lift up our King, to say, great are you, Lord. Great are you, our King. And as we come to worship you, God, let every tongue, every tribe be united, oh God, to lift up our King. And God, as we worship together, God, I pray that as we serve you, oh God, we will also lift up the one on our left, the one on our right, oh God, saying, great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, our King. We talked a bit about worship just now, okay? We talked about how we're going to lift God in worship and the, the, the atmosphere that we want to have in worship. But now I'm going to talk about culture, okay? I'm going to talk about culture. And uh, we all come from different cultures. I come from a Malaysian culture. There are Koreans here with different Korean cultures and, of course, uh, Indian culture as well. I, 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 we probably share a lot of similarities, right? I guess uh, being Asian. So I don't know. Okay, let's just throw out a few things, okay? Let's learn about each other's culture right now. So, I think it's a very Asian thing that when you go into someone's house, you call uncle, auntie? Yeah? yeah? Right? Do you do that in Korea, Korea as well? That you call someone by uncle or auntie? Because um, in America, it's probably a bit different, right? You call them by their names, right? Even though if they're much older. Yeah, so, so it's a very Asian thing. Because last night at dinner, I saw a lot of uncle, auntie. Hi, how are you, uncle, auntie? <laughs> if I go to someone's house when I was a kid and I don't, and I don't call uncle, auntie, <laughs> That's what I'm going to get. And true story, true story. Janine, right? Yeah, so I, there's one of our church leaders. So he's Indonesian. He's Chinese, but uh, born in Indonesia. He grew up, uh, uh, but he went to the US to study. I think he went to Texas. So he stayed there with his uncle for a few years. And uh, after a few years, his dad came to visit him. So his dad's name was, uh, I think it was Steve or something like that. So George, this is another George, Paji, Paji. So if you guys, I think he was here the last time. No, no, no? So George, his name is George. So he, George was in uni. He went to study there. And when his father came to visit him, so he saw his father from afar. So we Asians, we call our dad, dad or pa, you know, papa, you know. So when he saw his dad, he said, hey, Steve. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because he was living in an American culture for a few years. And yeah, try calling your father by the first name and you see what you get being Asian. So different cultures. Can you name me 
Okay, we're going to have a bit of interaction here. What is a very peculiar Indian culture? A peculiar part of Indian culture, something that, you know, that's very, very Indian. Eating with your hands? Yeah? Okay. What else? The, the head shake? Oh, you know what? This is something that I, 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 I need to learn. Okay. All right. I think I need someone to demonstrate this for me. Benji, come on, Benji. Come on, don't leave a brother here hanging. Come on, okay. Come on, Benji. Okay. Why, okay, why not I, I give Benji the privilege? You name someone and that someone got to come up, man. Oh, he's... Okay, let's give Benji a big hand. I thought you were so, I thought you were so gracious, you know? Okay, never mind. I, I, I come up myself, you know? Okay, Benji. I'm very conscious. You're very conscious right now? Yeah. Okay. So if I ask you, Benji, are you a man? Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what an Indian will do. No, 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 no. Come on, bro. Be Indian. Benji, yeah. are you a man? Yeah. <laughs> That's what you wanted, right? <laughs> okay. So, so, okay. So when you all say yes, how do you all shake it? Like... It's like a, okay, because there is the, okay, so in other cultures, it's just a nod, right? Yes. Okay, but that doesn't exist in Indian culture, right? So I, I, I notice, yes means a, it's like a, it's like a rotation. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Is, is it, get it? It's okay. Uh, okay, Indians, you rate me, okay? How am I doing? So, uh, yes. <laughs> is that it? Okay, okay, so you have to go your head. I mean, you move your head this way, right? And then when you say no, there's no, there's no dip in the valley, okay? It's, a, it's straight. No. So that's universal, right? Okay, all right. So, yeah. So for those of you who have lived in India, uh, you, you've been in put India for four weeks only, right? Yeah, so you know the difference already? <laughs> He's got it! Really? Oh, so it's not this. So it's left, right, left. Oh, so it's the tilt. Okay. <laughs> Four weeks. Sorry, I'm only here for three days. Four days, I think. Yeah. All right. So that's part of Indian culture. Okay. We, we, we're going to pick on Indian culture. We're going to pick on Malaysian culture. And of course, we're going to pick on Korean culture, right? So what's, what's part of Korean culture that is, um, that's very specific to just Korea? Respect. Loyalty and respect. Okay, okay. So it's uh, very, very Asian as well. So do you guys still experience that uh, thing where your parents, what, what you study in uni, it's uh, more what your parents want you to study? <laughs> oh, I, I, I hear some, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh my gosh, you mentioned your name just now, right? I'm so sorry. Ruth. Oh yeah. What, what did you study? Nursing? Okay. So... That wasn't your choice? No, okay. What, what, what would you have chosen? Hairstylist? Oh, little hair salon. <laughs> Give the massage. Make sure you be the one like mine, not Pastor Kevin's one. <laughs> yeah, but it's a very Asian thing because in Malaysia, it's the same as well. A lot of us, um, and I was just joking with Hannah yesterday, even the Indians in Malaysia, you know, you're either a lawyer, you're a doctor, or you're an engineer, or a teacher maybe. Is that the same here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess here you're pretty much, a, a, you go into IT as well, right? Okay, so 
anything else about culture? Culture. Okay, I know there's this thing in India because it's pretty similar in Malaysia as well. So when we say we meet at 4 p.m., 4 o'clock. <laughs> I, I saw that smirk, Janine. I saw that smirk. I saw that. Okay. So when we say 4 o'clock, okay, if I say, hey, Nina, let's meet at... Okay, Nina's been really good. <laughs> yeah, maybe because Pastor Kevin is here, you know, he's his boss. So if we say 4 o'clock, what time should I be there? 4.30? 3... No, no, bro, bro, bro. That's, that's not... No, 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 no. 3.55? I know, that's the ideal. That's what we're trying to get at. But in reality, in, in culture, in, in Malaysian culture as well, that's why we have this thing called Malaysian timing which uh, we're trying to improve as well. But when we landed in India, oh man, we, we, we learned Indian timing. <laughs> so 4 o'clock means 4.30? Pretty much? Okay. In Hyderabad. Oh, <laughs> disclaimer, huh? Disclaimer. disclaimer. Okay. Because in Hyderabad, okay, this is just between us, okay? Well, doesn't leave this door. So there was a church, I won't mention names, you know, they hosted us. They were really very gracious, really very nice. But they would say, okay, I'll pick you up at 10. And 10 becomes 10.30, 10.30 becomes 11.15, 11.15 becomes 11.45, and uh, he says 12 in the end, but he still came late after 12. <laughs> Nina was there, Nina was there, it's proof. And, and I was like, okay, we may have to go in the morning for a meeting. And I was like feeling really sick. And I woke up early, oh my gosh, you know, I've got a flight today, but never mind, you know, they want to meet us, so let's wake up earlier. So I woke up at 9. Uh, no, we, I think even earlier, at 8. Because the meeting was supposed to be at 9, and he came at 12. I could have had three hours more of sleep, but oh, it's okay, you know. But Zealous Pune is different, right? <laughs> He's shaking his head. So uh, let's try, let's try. Because in Malaysia, we have also very similar problems, similar culture. Yep. So talking about culture, all of us have a unique culture whether you're Indian or Korean or, or Malaysian, all right? And we all have a culture, whether we like it or not. Every group has a culture. Even the church has its own culture, a subculture. Even a group of friends, let's say the four of you are best friends. I mean, I don't know, maybe you are, maybe you're not. But let's say if you're best friends, you will have a sort of a subculture there as well, okay? And what we're trying to talk about today is the, the kind of culture or how do we build culture? Because whether you like it or not, you have a culture. Whether you like it or not, you have a culture. But whether you have an intentional culture or not, ah, that is a different thing. Because an intentional culture takes a lot of effort to build. Okay? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to lay out, lay out how we're going to talk about culture and how we're going to build culture. But one thing that I mentioned before we have this kind of discussions is this. Firstly, when it comes to how we build a team, a worship team, when it comes to how we build a team, nothing is sacred. Nothing is sacred except God and His Word. All right? I know we are, there, there are ways we do things. There are certain ways we do things like, okay, this is the collective style. This is the Pune style. This is the Zealous style. Uh, and it's, a, it's not that it's good or bad, but there's a way to do it, right? But none of all these are actually sacred. Okay? Except what God says in His Word. So that's the first thing. Secondly, to build our future. Okay, to build the future of our team, there are some things that we may first need to change or even throw away. Okay? There are some things that we may first need to change or even throw away. Um, thirdly, we are stronger because we are united under one purpose. And we've talked about a bit of purpose just now. But number four, it's also true. 
we are also stronger together because of our diversity of perspective. Unity of purpose, diversity of perspective. We're all stronger because of that. And uh, number five, and this is for the purpose of our discussion here as well, don't assume anything. You can always ask questions. Let's not assume. If I say something that you may not agree with or you're not too sure why I say that, uh, ask something, ask a question. And um, the next one, we can't create results. All of us are here because we want to create a certain kind of result. Okay, we want to see our team get better. We want to play better. We want to sing better. We want to be able to serve God in a way that is better. And that's all good. But let's remember that we cannot create results. We can only build a practice or habits or a culture that will increase the probability of getting the desired results. Okay? Let me say that again. We can only build practices, habits, and eventually a culture that will increase the probabilities of getting that desired result. And lastly, we build the future by acting on the present upon learning from the past. Okay? We talked about culture just now. You know? A lot of these things have been there for a long time. Okay? We laugh about it sometimes because it's funny, but they have been around for a long time. We don't just throw them away. We build upon learning from the past by doing something today and also, of course, dreaming about the future. Amen? So culture. But what is culture? What is culture? And culture is something that's been around for, like I said, it's just pretty much self-sustaining. But what is culture? It's a self-sustaining pattern of behavior that determines how things are done. Okay? If it, very simply, it's like, okay, this is how things are done here. This is how things are done in the Zealous team. This is how things are done. Sorry, what's the name of the church again? Korean Pune Church? Korean Church of Pune or something like that? Korean Church? This is how Korean Church does things. This is the way things are done here. This is the collective way. This is our culture. Okay. But I want to share with you today why I think culture is the most important determinant of success. Why it's the most important factor to the way we do anything. You guys have had New Year's resolutions before? It's December right now. Is it December yet? No, it's November still. It's going to be December soon. Tomorrow. Yeah, okay, I'm one day early. <laughs> and uh, the thing that we typically do December 31st or January 1st, for those who are a bit late, we do our New Year's resolutions. Okay, now a show of hands. How many of you say, you know what, in 2020 or maybe in 2019, let's talk about 2019 first, I'm going to lose weight. All right, that was fast, bro. That was very fast. I'm going to lose weight. Yeah? Okay. So let's keep, keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hannah, why are you so shy? Like, okay, how successful have you been? No? No? How successful have you been, bro? What's your name? Yeah. Gaurav. Gaurav. Successful so far? Not at all. You gained more weight. Okay. All right, so losing weight, or let's, uh, well, maybe there are those who want to gain weight, you know, put on muscle. Anyone? That, you want to lose weight, you want to gain weight at the same time, Hannah? Oh, okay, all right, all right. Okay, I was a bit confused. It's like, you got to have both, you know? Like, you know this and that, and you know, you want everything in life, okay? <laughs> so she wants to gain muscle. So have you been successful either losing weight or gaining muscle? Yeah, I was working Then you took a sabbatical. Oh my gosh, this is the first time I'm hearing. You took a sabbatical from working out. <laughs> okay, I've done a sabbatical before from work, but sabbatical from working out, that's something new. 
So we all have goals, we have aspirations, we have dreams, we have resolutions, and we say, okay, I want to lose five kilos in 2019. I want to gain five kilos of muscle in 2019. And that's what we talk about a lot, right? Vision. Have you heard this before? You must have a vision in life. You know, you must know what you want. Having a vision is having a, a picture of what you want to be. So I guess uh, Gaurav, right? Gaurav has a picture of a Baywatch body. You know, he's running in Goa on the beach. You know, are you, are you married, Gaurav? No, okay, are you have a girlfriend? Okay, so he sees a girl who's not his girlfriend, who's not his wife in the sea, maybe drowning, and he runs slow-mo in his red trunks, <laughs> going to save that girl in his beach body. All right, he has a vision in life. Okay, so we talk about vision a lot, and then we talk about mission. Like, okay, you know what, that's what, that's what I want, but why do I want this? Why is this so important? Maybe for Gaurav, it's, I want to get married. And maybe he thinks, okay, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know you at all, bro, so no offense. I'm just using your name. I, uh, if, you're, if you're not comfortable, I'll use some other name. So Nina. <laughs> <laughs> so Gaurav, you know, maybe he wants to get married, so that's why he wants that body. Because he thinks that will net him a hot wife, you know, who's drowning in the sea that he gets to save in Goa. Okay, so you have a vision there, you have a mission. But having those things don't really determine your success. Alright? Because, obviously, we all have goals, we have visions, we have a mission. But... I would say the thing that will contribute to your success as a person is pretty much your personal lifestyle. Okay, it's a lifestyle. It's the way you live your life. You can have a dream of wanting to have that body, but it's your lifestyle that will determine whether you get that body or not. The lifestyle of, you know what, I'm just going to go to the gym three times a week. I'm just going to eat healthy every single day of my life or at least five days a week, you know, and go crazy on Saturday and Sunday, cheat days. But that's what's going to determine whether you are successful or not. Did I go to the gym every week, three days a week? Even if I show up for 15 minutes, even if I show up for 10 minutes, even if I just put a pair of shoes on and I just go walk in there and I walk out. Eventually, <clears throat> of course, I'll get better and better. But it's the three times a week that will determine your success, not the lofty goals, not the dreams that you have or the vision that you have, although it is important. So if your personal lifestyle is the thing that will determine the success of your life, I would say for a team, or for a church, or for an organization, the thing that will determine the success the most is the corporate lifestyle, or the corporate <coughs> culture of the team. So this is pretty much what culture is, is the lifestyle, it's the way you do everything. And how you do anything will be how you do everything. Okay, and that's why culture is so, so important. I have a very uh, simple definition of culture that I'm gonna share with you. Gaurav, you can see that? All right. Chris, you can see that? All right. So culture is simply collective, consistent behavior. And I don't mean collective, the name of the church or the, the movement, but the word itself, collective. Collective, consistent behavior. But how do we build culture? So this is what culture is. But how do we build culture? And we can just take it from some clues from the definition here. Collective, consistent behavior. See, all of us value something, okay? So we talk about values. The reason why you want to get a healthy body is maybe because you value health. You value your life, okay? You value health. But if you put on your snooze button every morning when you wake up, when the alarm clock rings at 6 a.m. to go to the gym and you snooze until 8 a.m., you don't really value health or fitness. You value comfort or you value convenience, or you value your sleep, 
okay? Because what you value is not what you say you value. What you value is what you really value internally that shows in your action or your behavior. So there's no point putting up those values like, okay, these are corporate values, integrity, honesty, uh, excellence, if you don't practice that. Okay, all of us value something. And values put into action practically becomes behavior. So because of what you value, you behave in a certain way. And behaviors carried out consistently becomes habits. All right? So we, we joked about coming late. We joke about, yeah, Malaysian timing. We joke about Indian timing. So if I come late once, uh, I'm late. If I come late twice, uh, I'm, I'm late. But if I'm late all the time, I actually have a time management problem. <laughs> I'm not just late once or twice. I have a habit that is probably not very good. Okay? Because it was a behavior that I displayed consistently. So behaviors carried out consistently becomes a habit. And uh, habits practiced collectively becomes our culture. So if Hannah is late all the time, she has a bad habit of being late. If Benji is late all the time, he has a bad habit of being late. But if the whole team is always late, maybe you want to change your practice time, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> but, but the problem with that is you'll be even later, right? <laughs> so if the whole team is late, there's a culture of being late among the whole team, okay? There's a culture that is not punctual. That's what happens. So ultimately, what you value will... Uh, determine what you value will determine your culture. All right? But also, from someone coming from the outside, like myself, it's my first time here, the culture also displays your values. The culture displays your values. So, it's a, this may be a bit a lot right now to digest, but uh, it's a starting point. And there, there's a question that we definitely need to ask ourselves is what do we really, really value? Because that is the foundation of everything. It doesn't mean that that's where we start changing. This is just um, a model that I work with. It doesn't mean, okay, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to change my value right now. Uh, it doesn't really work that way, okay? Uh, it's not that it's wrong, but as a team, I think we need to decide. Okay, I'm going to talk about in the context of the worship team, okay? I think we really need to decide what is it that we really value as a team. For example, we value excellence. Okay, if we really value that, what kind of behaviors do we need to change to show that we value excellence? So what we need to change are really, the, the action steps that we can take actually starts from the behaviors, right? Right? It's not about the values. Okay, the values, yeah, it can be anything. But the action step that we need to take is what do we need to change in our behaviors? So I can tell you a story of how we, we did it back at Collective. Um, this is not from some textbook or anything. 
Um, I'm sure you can find other literature out there as well on, how, on culture and how we build culture. But for us, we actually ask ourselves as a team and as a whole church, not just the worship team, what is it that we really want to change about ourselves? Because being a church for 18 years, we realize that there's a certain culture that we have built as collective. And some parts of it we really liked, some parts of it we did not like at all. And some parts of it are just missing. And that was, that, those were the three questions we asked ourselves as a team. Which part of our culture that we do not want to keep anymore, okay? that we want to throw away. Secondly, which part of our culture that is already part of us that we want to keep or grow. And thirdly, what is missing from our culture right now that we want to cultivate? And the word cultivate is really important because culture is also a biological term, right? Like when you have a culture in a petri dish, you cultivate it, it has to grow with much intention. It won't just grow by itself the way that you want it to. Okay. So what are the things that we want to keep? What are the things that we want to throw away? And what are the things that are not existing that we want to cultivate? And so what we did as a team back home, and this is the church team, the, the collective church leadership team, we, we, we came up with nine values. And out of the nine, there are some that we are already practicing. Some of the nine, like for example, excellence and creativity. We didn't say this about ourselves. People say that about us. Hey, you guys are very creative. You guys are very excellent. So we realize that's part of our culture. But one thing that's not part of our culture, for example, is sustainability. And I say that not in terms of hugging a tree or, you know, uh, <laughs> or like, you know, um, using paper straws or metal straws, although those are good, but sustainability in, in terms of the way we do ministry. Like, we can be really going on all cylinders firing right now, you know, oh, I'm serving from the morning to the night, and I'm here every day, week in, week out in church, you know, I'm really doing great. But is that sustainable? Is that sustainable? Can you do that for two years? Can you do that for three years? Can you do that for five years without burning out? And we never really ask ourselves those questions. But when we did this exercise, we realized, you know what, I want to be serving God for a long time. I don't want to burn out after my second year. It's like, it's like serving God is really more like a marathon than a sprint, and we all know that. But just because we know that, does it mean we practice that? Okay, so those are the things that we talked about. And so we came up with nine different values. And this is something that we did. So I would recommend that we do this as a team as well. Uh, why nine? Because we didn't want to go more than 10. <laughs> and actually, I think even lesser will be better. I mean, there's no point having so many things, but you're all over the place. It's better to have just three or four, but you do those three or four things really, really well, right? And we realized that we need to put language into what we want to build. And the spoken word is really, really important because that's how God created the world in the first place. He spoke the world into creation. And there's power in our tongue. There's power in our words. Okay? A tongue, such a small part of our body, but powerful, powerful. It can bring down a person. All right? So we realized that we've got to give language to what we want to create. And we created... Um, sentences, phrases that helps us. So for example, as a church in collective, the three, the three fundamental values we have are God-centeredness, community, and disciple-making. God-centeredness, community, and disciple-making. And we talked a lot about God-centeredness because, hey, we're a church after all, right? We should be God-centered. But I think being a church or being a worship team, sometimes we can get too caught up in the day-to-day 
in the, hey, you know what, let's get our chords right, let's get the, let's get the tone right, let's get the practices right, that we actually forget that, hey, why are we even doing all that we're doing? So we talked a lot about God-centeredness. So we have a concept of how we explain God-centeredness. So for collective God-centeredness, we explain it as Christ at the core. So it's not Christ first, but Christ at the core of everything that we do. It's not Christ first, family second, career third, church fourth. You guys, you guys heard that list before? List seems to be a big word. Huh? <laughs> so there's this list that goes on, you know, like, okay, God should be first, but that's not how we look at it. It's not about prioritizing, but it's having Christ in everything that we do, in our careers, in our family, in our ministry, that it's not about first or second. Christ must permeate everything that we do at the core of everything. So Christ at the core. But we want to have an action statement as well that accompanied our concept of God-centeredness. So we said, okay, you know what? The words that we're going to use is go to the big guy. Go to the big guy, which is going to God in prayer. Christ at the core, go to the big guy. Why is language or words so important? And I'm not too sure about India, but in Malaysia, one of the things that stifled unity in, in, in us back home is that we have different languages. We speak different languages. So the Malays mainly speak Malay. Malay. The Chinese would speak Chinese and Indians, Indian. And uh, so I think when the British came, they didn't want to have that unity among the people. So they actually created different kinds of schools for the kids. So the Indians would go to an Indian school, Chinese, Chinese school, and yeah, the Malays Malay school. And because we didn't have a unifying language, that actually cost us our unity. And that has an effect up till today because we all don't speak the same language. Contrast this with a country like Indonesia, where there are a lot of Chinese there as well, and a lot of uh, the, the local natives, but they all speak one language. So speaking the language is really important. So what is the language of zealous Pune? What is the language of the Korean church in Pune? What language do we want? And as a church, just by having the language of, hey, go to the big guy, go to the big guy, we found that we actually prayed more. <laughs> just by having those so-called buzzwords, and I know they can remain buzzwords, they can remain meaningless if we don't put any life into it. But once we put life into it, and once we put action behind it, the more we did it, we found that the more we prayed as a church, the more we prayed as a team, just by having our culture written out as an action statement. And I'm saying this not because I think that you have to go through this. Like I said, I'm just telling our story, and this is what really worked for us. So in, in building our culture, we find that action steps like this and tactics like this work. So do you guys have something similar here in, in Zealous? Have you all done a, a similar exercise? Core values? Okay, so, all right. So this is a test right now. Benji's getting scared because <laughs> he knows I'm going to pick on him. How many core values do we have in Zealous? Five? Okay, Hannah. Name me the first one. God-centeredness, Okay. Disciple making. Okay, stop there. Passion. I'm going to pick up Benji right now. So, God centeredness, disciple making, passion. And then. <laughs> okay. Your name again, bro? Prim. So, Prim, come on. <laughs> He's laughing. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Okay, all right, all right. Mm. Okay, I got you. <laughs> all right. Uh, Vipin, come on, Vipin. 
God-centeredness. So we had God-centeredness, disciple-making. Passion. Generosity. And one more. What's the last? Community. Okay, great. Uh, do you all have something similar in the Korean church? The core values. Okay. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. NBCC. Who's for NBCC? And New Life. Who's from New Life? You guys have something similar? The core values of the church? Yeah? Okay. I need to know your name, Gaurav, so sorry. I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> I like your shirt, by the way. <laughs> so what's it? Equip, empower. Encounter. Wow. I like all the E's. Equip, empower, and encounter. And I'm sure you'll have a, a way of expressing this. Yep. So, it's not, it's, it's, the point is not to have all those words, but how do we express it, right? Sorry, this, this church is, Janine, MBCC? So, do you have something similar as well? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry, which church is that? MBCC? Okay. <laughs> okay, generosity. Yep. Servanthood? Yep, social action. Okay, great. Uh, I think every church really, every team, every organization really wants to do the best uh, that we can and there's all these intentions that we have. But really, this is a place that I find a lot of organizations stop. Uh, even collective itself. There are times that we forget and, you know, we just end up having values that just have a certain kind of face value. <laughs> but it's actually the behaviors that we really want to change. So for us, one of the ways is actually changing our language, therefore changing our behaviors. And putting a price actually also on non-compliance to behavior. <laughs> because culture is not just what we cultivate, but culture is, culture is also what we tolerate. So what are we tolerating as a church? What are we tolerating as a team? If someone comes here and acts in a way that is not respectful, and if we tolerate that enough, that becomes a part of our culture as well. So it's not just about what we cultivate, but what are we tolerating? And why is culture really, really important? Let me repeat that before I close. Remember I said we can't create results? We can't create results. We can only build habits, practices, and a culture that will increase the probability of achieving the desired results. And that's what we do every time we come here on a weekend. We can't create the results. We can't conjure up <laughs> the Holy Spirit like a genie, genie in a bottle. <laughs> All right, like a genie from the lamp. Okay, Holy Spirit, it's time to come on right now. It's time to do your thing. You know, I rub the lamp and it comes out. We can't create that. So all we do when we get together here is we are basically building a practice, building a culture, building a platform, doing what we can to increase the probability. You know what? Let me do all I can. So the probability of something happening will be just higher because everything else is up to God. It's not up to us. So we do what's up to us and God does what is up to Him. All right? And in terms of culture, every one of us plays a really, really important role because together we shape our culture, <laughs> whether we like it or not. When you have a new member to your team, that one person will shape your culture as well. That's why it's very important to have it intentionally and not to have something unintentional happen from someone shaping your culture in a way that you do not want it to be shaped. So together we shape our culture. 
but our culture shapes us as well. So once you shape your culture, and once you're part of this culture, week in, week out, year in, year out, your culture will shape you as well. So if I ask you, how do you want to be shaped? What kind of person do you want to become? Because the culture that you live in, the culture that you spend your time in, that's what's going to shape you as well as a person. Right? So together we create or shape our culture and our culture eventually shapes us. Right? This is helping you guys. Are you okay? You're right? So, and this applies to any team at all. It's not just a worship team or a church. It applies to any team that we want to build. I think the most important thing about a leader is in building culture. And I know people always say, you know, the most important thing to build is people. Yeah, true. Because eventually, your culture is made up of your people. Your culture is not made up of a set of rules or, or, or something you put on the wall. Your culture is made up of people. Amen? We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at Zealous Pune or visit us online at zealous.community.